Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus, and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. We are the Musty Collective, creatives on a journey to better storytelling. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here. Today, we're going to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. Yes, A Quiet Place Part 2, and also how cool it is that John Krasinski has a viable sci-fi family horror franchise. That's a lot of stuff together, but I agree with every single word of it. (laughs) I hope so. You wrote it. (laughs) Thank you. All right, well, let's start the show. Part 2 was finally released in theaters. Finally released! After, because it was originally going to come out pre-COVID quarantine. And then um, the studio and John Krasinski decided it would be best that this movie would be seen in theaters. Yeah, so it finally came out in theaters. It did not come out anywhere on streaming. And so we actually ventured forth into the dark realm of the movie theater. Into a place <laughs> where, <laughs> yeah, in, into a place where there is lots of germs, contagions, viruses. Mm-hmm. There, there, I say it, a lot of people, strangers that we don't know, sharing a breathing space together for about two hours. And though we have masks. And we're vaccinated. And we're vaccinated. A lot of people. We're slipping off their masks mm-hmm. during the show. And I'm not going to lie, my ears are hurting, so I kind of want to slip off my mask too. That's why you order food, so you have an excuse to take off your mask. <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome to be back in the theater. It was a great movie to kind of kick ourselves back into the theater going experience. Yeah. Beforehand, before the quarantine, before the pandemic, we had AMC A+, mm-hmm. so that you know we could go to the theater three times a week. And be good to go. Mm-hmm. And so we were used to going to the theater a lot. So anyways, it was great to watch this movie. And before the intro, like before the movie started, they had this intro that I think they're going to show off in like multiple movies this, this summer. Where it's like, thank you for being back into the theater. We've missed you. Now let's support this capitalistic franchise called the movie entertainment business. <laughs> and uh, let's watch these movies in theaters and spend lots of money. Come on, people. Let's go. Spend, spend, spend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great. I'm glad the movie theater business didn't like, shut down completely. Yeah. I'm glad theaters are still there. But it was... Whenever I see those messages, I always feel like... Oh, yay. They want us to spend our money. That's why they care about us. Well, that's their job. They got to make money somehow. Right, right. And so you're not here to hear me rant about that kind of stuff. I just wanted to intro with that just a little bit. But anyways, it was great. It was a really good movie. We both liked it. I don't think we had any issues with it. No. I will. I don't think we asked this question or talked about this before in the pre-game, pre-show kind of deal. But did you like this more than the first movie? That's a tough one. I'd say I like it just as much-ish. I like the first one a lot. 
Um, but the second one was pretty good. I don't know if it was as good, but it was still pretty good. I think the I, I agree with you. I think the first one edges out the second one just a little bit because mm-hmm. you have Lee Abbott, John Krasinski's character, yeah. you know, making a sacrifice for his family, the relationship with him and his daughter, right? And it's not quite the same in the second movie. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's a really good movie. But in other ways, I think this film is so much better than the first one. Mm-hmm. The prequel that they give us at uh, the beginning of the film is about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Really opens up the world, gives us an understanding about how this all started. Mm-hmm. Or at least from their perspective, from the Abbott family's perspective, yeah. how it all started. It was, there was that great shot at the beginning where like the asteroid or whatever is falling down to Earth mm-hmm. and like exploding in different parts of their local yeah. area. That was an amazing, amazing shot. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, just before we go any further, this is a spoiler love podcast. This is a spoiler space. We love to spoil in the space. This is not a spoiler free zone. This is a spoil all the time zone. Yes. So if you do not want to hear spoilers. Just watch the movie. Yes, exactly. So and yeah. So anyways, it starts with a great prequel. We have the Abbott family and it's great to see the little boy again. Because mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, obviously he got murdered. <laughs> uh, oh, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that's that was that was so hard. Like, I, and that and to me, that's where this movie kind of stumbles. It doesn't have like the same kind of consequences. It does, but not for the main cast. Yeah, the main cast in the first movie gets butchered. <laughs> you you feel like everyone's gonna die, mm-hmm. but the tension is still there for this second film. I especially like how Millicent Simmons is the lead of the story. Yes. Um, just having a deaf girl that signs as the protagonist was like really awesome. And I'm sure a lot of deaf people in the deaf community were like, yes, finally. It's more than just representation. Uh, Mill- Millicent playing as Reagan Abbott mm-hmm. is just used so well from a story perspective. Yes. Like, she is the hero, this action hero. Mm-hmm. Especially in this movie, it punches home the action hero-ness. I yeah. felt like in the first movie, it was more... It was really about Emily Blunt in the end mm-hmm. being awesome. Now, Reagan did obviously find the solution to weaken the aliens. Yes. But when Emily Blunt used that shotgun, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, it was mom... She had a baby on her back. And a baby and a on her back and a shotgun. <laughs> like, that was pretty epic. But in this movie, Reagan steps up really as the action star, and she is deaf in real life as well. And she's fighting aliens who use sound to hunt down their prey. Mm-hmm. That is, like, meta right there. So she's, like, the complete opposite of them. Exactly. And she doesn't even know when she's making sound, really. Um, but it's it's really crazy. But it's, it's and then cool because she, like, fits into the story like a... A very well-fitted puzzle piece. Yeah. No, seriously. John Krasinski and his co-writer have done such a great job framing the world around this character. And I think it's it's uh, refreshing because this action hero thriller genre, family sci-fi horror, whatever <laughs> words you want to throw at it, um, can sometimes feel like, you know, overly, overly saturated. Mm-hmm. Usually fill these roles with people like The Rock strong big dudes yeah. or like very athletic 
you know, very like hard hitting women and, and that's okay. But this is like, you know, she's a 16 year old girl. Mm -hmm. She's strong, but she's not like super strong. Yeah. So she's kind of weak and she's, you know, deaf and she is kicking major alien butt and using sound Mm -hmm. as her weapon Mm -hmm. to then destroy her enemies. Yeah. So like society would see this character as somebody who needs help and they're weak and they're handicapped and all this stuff. But the way that this movie's portraying her is like really awesome. Yeah. And it, it goes down to even just like different shots in the movie when they're traveling through the forest, uh, when she's traveling through like, you know, a train car, when mm-hmm. she's in a boat, wherever she is, the aesthetic and everything is really for her. Now, there are some great moments with Emily Blunt, again, being Epic Mama, and also with her brother, with Reagan's brother character. Mm-hmm. But, in, and then obviously you do have a new character. Uh, his name is Emmett. He comes into the movie, and he serves a purpose, and he helps to guide and be somewhat of a protector of Reagan. But in the end, it's really about Reagan. Yeah. And the movie's all about her. And I really got The Last of Us um, vibes, which is a video game. There's like two parts now. There's a second one. Mm-hmm. And it has some similar elements. But I really got those vibes from this movie. Yeah. It was just amazing to look at. It was very beautiful. But also Reagan's story and her just kicking butt. It was epic. Mm-hmm. And there's actually more characters in this film. Some are good and some are crazy. Um, I think it really freaked me out. When there was that little girl just sitting on the dock. Oh, yeah. And then she just, like, pulls out a noose and, like, ties it around his neck. Yeah, around Emmett's neck. Yes. Yeah. That was freaky. No, and that was probably one of the scariest parts of the film. Because, you know, when you see a little girl by herself in the dark at night, mm-hmm. you know, in a creepy place, like, little girl, what? You, what? Little girl, what are you doing here? And she's like, ah! No, come closer. And he's like, well, little girl, why do you want me to come closer? Just come closer and help me, mister. Please. Little girl, okay, I'm coming closer. Is this close enough? No, come a little closer. I got you. I got you. I got you. It's like, it was so, so scary. I know. I just had to simulate that because that's how I felt. And now I will never trust a little girl in the dark at all. Just like, I'm sorry, little girl, you're on your own because you might tie me up in a noose and kill me. or the aliens are actually unable to swim. So that was interesting. But they can float on boats. Oh, yeah. Which was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to I just want to highlight this for a quick second. There so in the movie, if you obviously if you watched it, you know there's this part where they discover an island where there's all these human beings living free and carefree mm-hmm. and 
they have no cares in the world. They're just giving food and, and hanging out and singing by the fire and mm-hmm. resting. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, all that goodness. And Emmett and Reagan come upon these people, and it's a wonderful paradise. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I guess I guess everything's going to be okay. Yeah. We, they found the solution, just find islands where the monsters are at, mm-hmm. aren't at, and you're okay. But then the aliens get on a boat, and the boat kind of slowly rides across the the ocean to the island because they're on the east coast of America. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really, really sad. And I can only think that those people are like, whoa, we have this perfect place. New people, you suck. You just brought them <laughs> here killed us all. and killed us all. <laughs> that is true. That really sucks. But yeah, it's like the the alien was just kind of hiding um on their boat as they were Well, it wasn't on their boat. Yeah, it was, it was it on was a on... separate boat. They it jumped onto a separate boat and then just slowly kind of through the ocean current. They had oh. a they had a two-person small dinghy, so they would have seen the alien. Okay. Couldn't it couldn't have hid, but anyways, uh the second craziest scene, I'll just mention and you just mentioned these two scenes, but when Noah Jupe, uh, the actor who plays Marcus Abbott, the brother of Reagan, uh, was hiding with the baby in the airlock. Oh, that was so scary. He did some stupid stuff. Yes. Now, this is not saying the writing's bad. It's just like when you have characters in a scary thriller kind of situation mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to explore. I think I know the answers. I'm not going <laughs> to obey the person who knows better, which is mom in this case, Emily Blunt, Evelyn Abbott. She is like, you know, epic, you know, fighting mama Mm -hmm. and she knows what she's doing listen to her Mm -hmm. and he's like no i'm going to escape this place of safety and try to find some clues and he doesn't even even know he doesn't even find anything he's Mm -hmm. just like i'm gonna do my own thing Mm -hmm. it's like the little boy on lost that we're watching right now yes i don't like that kid walt Walt, he keeps disobeying his father Mm -hmm. just because he wants to yeah I don't feel bad for his situation. Listen to your dad and stay out of trouble. Yeah. And then, and then, as as always happens, the kid finds out he shouldn't have gone out. You put everyone in danger. You put your own self in danger. Mm-hmm. And so they're in this airlock, you know, trying to stay away from the alien, and the they're running out of oxygen. Now the little baby is in the airlock, and the little baby has like a little oxygen tank so that mm-hmm. it can breathe. While staying kind of like trapped in the box, so mm-hmm. to kind of muffle the noises and also not have it have any scary situations where it just sees something like an alien with a crazy mouth trying to mm-hmm. eat it and freak out and start crying. Mm-hmm. So now they're in this airlock because of him. He trapped himself in there. Yeah, because he didn't put the towel up. Because well, he because he's rushing back in because mm-hmm. he escaped and and went carousing around the the, the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Anyways. It's just annoying. Those kind of characters, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. But you need them in the movie. Yeah. Anyways, and he's sharing oxygen with his baby brother. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I thought he was going to get really selfish and I thought it was going to get really dark. He was going to keep the air for himself and let his baby brother die. Oh, my God. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Marcus, you put that mask back on that baby. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, that was. I remember that you were like, "He's not going to," is he? Like, I thought for a second. I really did think like, this is gonna get super dark. Like John Krasinski, 
like good, you know, good morning news is like going to get super crazy dark. <laughs> We're going to see a baby suffocate to death. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah. But they didn't do that. And that's what I'm saying. It's family sci-fi horror. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a little scarier than I would say most Steven Spielberg movies. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be something where you have bad nightmares at night. Yeah. And I, pre I, I appreciate that. As someone who's a scared ninny who doesn't like watching horror, mm -hmm. I really appreciate this genre. Yes. I do too. So are these alien monsters a pre-invasion force? That's a great question, Michelle. I don't know if they are, but it seems like they're very unintelligent to a certain degree and they don't have like communication. I just want to believe that if you're an alien and you have the ability to travel across galaxies to another planet, mm -hmm. that you're smarter than what we're seeing on screen, which makes me think they're, ha they're these are just a this is just a pre invasion force to soften up our forces so that when the main dudes come through mm -hmm. or gals come through it's just like pure decimation mm -hmm. like this could be the prequel to independence day the real legit reboot <laughs> you know what i'm saying like this could be we could get a new type of will smith mm -hmm. and shout out to the dude uh i forget what uh, character he played in hamilton but the police officer in the prequel Mm -hmm. Was like from Hamilton, that dude, shout out to the homie. But like, we could get a legit, we haven't had this in a long time, where we have this family sci fi horror kind of Independence Day alien earth invasion. Mm -hmm. And this all could be setting us up for that. Yeah. And the next movie, maybe if you do one more movie to set it up, and then they're like, oh, we see blips on the satellite screen. Mm -hmm. This was just a pre-invasion force. And then the fourth movie comes out and it's like, boom, invasion force. And then Reagan is like, you know, maybe she's grown by seven years and she has like a laser sword or something. And she's just like, laser sword. yeah, she's just cutting up aliens. This literally could be the next big like sci-fi franchise. But you'd have to be careful with that because it could get cheesy quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen the reboot or the and, reboot, the sequel to Independence Day. Yeah. So I, I know how cheesy it could get. And I'm a little scared, honestly, for part three because it's not going to be directed by John Krasinski. Yeah, I feel like he's leaving the helm way too quickly. Yes. Like, what else do you have to do, brother? Like, what else are you doing? Like, this, this, yeah. this is it for you. You've made something that people want to see. Mm -hmm. Don't run away from it. Is he still writing it or is he just... That part, I do not know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming he has something to do with the story. But it would suck if they did the third one and then it just wasn't as good because it wasn't him. I'd be a little sad. I agree. John Krasinski because he went from um, not being famous to being a, a an amazing director, writer, producer, um, actor, person. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, he. I think he's definitely really good, and he's on the way up. I, I don't. Yeah. I I don't know if I give him the title of amazing. Mm-hmm. I you know he's not Spielberg yet. I feel like you know he still has a way to get there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He needs to focus on the trilogy, unless he's got something better for us. But I say focus on this, man. Fo- mm-hmm. Focus on focus on this because this literally could be so big. Um, but yeah, John Krasinski, this is your life. He is currently 41 years old, and he attended Brown University. And while in college, he interned on the Conan Show. Mm-hmm. And then he graduated in 2001. And then he did small acting parts here and there, but then he got a huge role on The Office in 2004. Playing Jim Halpert, which is where mm-hmm. we all know him from. Yes. And then he got a starring role in Leatherheads with George Clooney in 2008. And then he starred in 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi in 2016. So, like, from 2008 to 2016, there's kind of, you know, the show was still going on, obviously. But he was he was getting, like, movie roles. He was trying to, I think he was trying to make the move to be, like, the leading man. Yeah. And it just wasn't completely hitting. Mm-hmm. Even in Leatherheads, he was not really the lead actor. Um, He's kind of sharing the role, but a lot of the more more on screen time was devoted to George Clooney. Mm-hmm. And in Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, which is a film directed by uh, Michael Bay, he is a leading man on the movie. He's on the posters. So I remember seeing that film or seeing the trailers and the posters and marketing for that film. Mm-hmm. I haven't ha- actually haven't seen it. I do want to see it. But uh, I just remember him being the leading man. Then after that, he kinda, it kind of was quiet um, on the home front, as it were. Yeah, so he was an executive producer on Manchester by the Sea, which I didn't know. Um, but it was nominated for Best Picture. In twenty, yeah, for it was released in twenty sixteen, so I guess mm-hmm. it's the twenty seventeen Oscars, but yeah, yeah. And then he started his role as Jack Ryan in the Amazon series Jack Ryan in two thousand eighteen, and in the same year, A Quiet Place Part One was released. Yep, into yeah. the wild. Yep, and I remember again. I remember when we saw it. We initially, I think everyone when we saw the trailer was like. I want to. I want to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I want. I want to go see this. Yeah. It was exciting. It was scary, but not. It, it felt like it wasn't going to be too scary. Again, where I'm not going to have nightmares and <laughs> wake up in cold, like in hot flashes in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It was like just enough to like keep you on the edge of your seat, which which is good for me, because if it goes beyond that, I I do have nightmares. Yeah, I I'm not into the whole like horror genre but again i just i think with a quiet place it just it's right in that that comforting spot mm-hmm. of just like i want to get scared a little bit mm-hmm. but i don't want to lose my mind <laughs> <laughs> if you know what i'm saying yes all right so here are five things we'd like to see in part three number one Millicent simmons defeating the entire alien population. Now, again, this could be stretched out over two parts, but we want I want to start seeing like a larger coordinated effort to take on this alien threat. Mm-hmm. And if we can get a reveal to a bigger alien invasion, that would be really cool. Yes. And that's our um, second point, which is more origin stories 
from when the aliens came and where did they come from and what's their purpose invading Earth. Yeah, that, that would be great. Again, obviously, we don't want it to be super cheesy. We want it to still make sense and, and still have that emotional tie-in. But we don't want to also... I also don't think it should be where, like, we should feel bad for them or mm-hmm. they need resources. They're, <laughs> they're losing their planet, so they're coming over here. We're going to share... No, no. They're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. We want to get rid of them, you know, kick them off Earth. Yeah. But why have these aliens showed up all of a sudden? Yeah, and you don't have to explain too much. Like, I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know their names. Or, you don't want like, to know the alien race's name? I mean, how would they find that out? Good question. Okay, good question. <laughs> That's a good question. All right, number number three. Uh, show different stories in different regions of the world that link up with Reagan Abbott. So I still want to keep Reagan as the main, the main force, the main star, but it would be so cool if we had other stories, like maybe they did a prequel in the next film that was of another kid or another person like running away from the aliens and then we meet up with that person later on in the third film hmm. where Reagan says it meets up with him we're like oh snap that's that one person from that yeah. one scene that would be kind of cool because this is something that's affecting the whole world as far as I know mm-hmm. and everyone is being affected that's a man this this gotta be an invasion force like why what are they <laughs> I want to know and it was it was kind of interesting too because in that beginning scene I'm wondering I don't think these guys have spaceships. I feel like they kind of fell to Earth like they were on some kind of meteor and they were riding down to Earth on it or something. Maybe. Because I I just don't see them, like, driving (laughs) UFOs or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and that's true. And another thing, maybe space pods have broke up in Atmo. I don't know. But another thing that's interesting... Is I always wonder, like, well, if you had enough guns, you could just shoot these 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 aliens down. Mm-hmm. But that was the prequel was great in showing that they move quickly through a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. They're quick. They they once they yeah. hear some sound and you hear a, a limb come off and some some screaming, mm-hmm. they slice and dice through yeah. a crowd of people really bad, mm-hmm. really quickly. Because they're blind, right? I don't know if they're blind in the sense of what we think is blind. Or they hear things in that. It's kind of like bats at night, like the sonar thing. Like Yeah, but the point is that their little scissor hand blades come out and they start slicing and dicing. Yeah. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. And then number four would be more of John Krasinski's character, Lee Abbott, and his relationship with his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, for me, I mean, it was obviously, like, super depressing when he gave up his life for his daughter in the first one, um, and you just kind of want more time with them together, because it felt like it, I mean, it was obviously cut short because of his death, but you just want more of that, I think. Yeah, I think, and that's, that is going to be a problem that they have to solve in this third movie, because if you don't bring Lee back at all, like, there's no prequel with him or anything. Mm-hmm. Who is the and like the the up the opposite character that pushes Reagan and pulls her and and kind of has that push and pull relationship with her that challenges her to grow up mm-hmm. to grow as a character to grow as a person and yet also gives her the space to be the hero that we all want her to be mm-hmm. right I didn't feel that from Emmett to be honest I didn't get that same vibe. Because the whole time Reagan's like hates him because she feels that he's a, a coward and 
when we find out more details that mm-hmm. yeah he didn't come to help the abbots even though he saw their their flame mm-hmm. their signal that hey we need help over here yeah so she believes him to be a coward and maybe even i think blames him for the death of her father but in in the end i didn't feel that push and pull relationship mm-hmm. like i feel like reagan could have done what she did pretty much almost without him mm-hmm. and didn't didn't really need him that much in my opinion well i think he needed her yeah but grow. i'm not i'm not interested in his story <laughs> i don't care i'll be honest well, with you you're not you don't like you meet him in the beginning of this movie you don't see him at all in the the first one so there's no like investment in him at all well, I know, but he, like you know, a movie can still give you uh, a way to invest, right? And they what they try to do is make him this loving father. He mm-hmm. lost his son. He lost his wife. I'm sad for him, but I don't really care. He, he, there was nothing in the movie that was like, "Oh man, you know, I hope this dude doesn't die." Mm-hmm. I wish he had died instead of Lee. To be honest with you, That's so true. if they go in part three and there's still more Emmett, I'm sorry, you got to make a little cutscene and be like. A little note like, oh, Emmett died, and that's it. We move on. <laughs> we got to find someone else. We got to find another person to care about. Oh, my gosh. Well, I would like to see the brother at, taking on a bigger role. Not the lead, because I think um, Reagan's part is going to be the protagonist in the third film. But I think that it would be cool to have them as like a duo. Because like he, in, this, in part two, found... Um, a what do you call it he found his courage i think ish in this he also found his craziness well yeah but i mean he because he through the both the first and the second one he was super fearful um and so just finding the courage to do what he needed to do yeah when he shot the alien in the face yeah then he was like yo I'm a man now. Yeah, it'd be really cool because I think in a lot of movies, in a lot of ways, when they make kids the lead, it falls flat or it's it looks cheesy or it's stupid. But I feel like in this film, if they made the two kids the lead and they're the ones that like save the day, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, I mean, that's because they, they've done such a great job in this film and building this world and making everything believable and providing this emotional weight to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I definitely could see that. It's not something I personally want. Because I, I, either you make him more of a of a, of a help for Reagan. Mm-hmm. I could, but honestly, like I said, if it had been me writing it, then that baby would have been suffocating to death and maybe make him oh this God. silent bad guy, antagonist to Reagan. Be like when, the, like when the mom opens up the airlock again. Mm-hmm. It's like, what happened to your brother? Oh, he didn't make it, and she's like, oh, but you, ha- you somehow made it though. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't say anything because that's still her baby too. Mm-hmm. And then when Reagan meets up with him in part three, he's like, where's baby Richard or whatever his name was? <laughs> and it's like, oh, he didn't make it. And like the mom's like, mm-hmm. and then it's like Reagan's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think making him, I, I and I kind of am thinking about a character. Uh, and I'm getting this character's name right, um, Edmund from the Narnia series, hmm. right? So in Edmund in The Line of Witch in the Wardrobe was that sly antagonist character who was like, oh, I want to do stuff for me and be selfish. Mm-hmm. Not really an antagonist where it was like, I'm trying to rule the world, but just a selfish person. Yeah. And I always liked how that it, how it was used in the film and obviously in the story, the original mm-hmm. book. So I think... 
making Marcus like that kind of a character, maybe make him redeemable later on, or never make him redeemable or something like that. But someone to challenge Reagan from a moral philosophical side where she can't just be like, I'm just don't care about you. Mm-hmm. The problem with Emmett is that she can choose not to care because she's he's not family. Mm-hmm. That's why it was beautiful their relationship, I think, between her and John Krasinski's character with Lee, because even though she would be upset with her dad for thinking that her dad was blaming her for the death of the baby baby boy. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, she couldn't really ignore him because that's daddy. I love daddy. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, like, touching her face. Even though she's like, get off my face. She's like, daddy, I want you to touch my face because I love you. But I, <laughs> I'm hating on you right now because I'm being silly. Oh, my gosh. So I think if you did this with Marcus and her, mm-hmm. make them antithesis of each other where she's ultimate good and and selflessness even though she has her problems and her issues with anger and trust issues Mm -hmm. but like having her brother be this selfish person who outwardly is showing himself to be a hero but inwardly is super selfish and Mm -hmm. super insecure and make them go at each other in certain ways man that would make their showdowns very very interesting Mm -hmm. and super intense i would like to see something more along those lines Mm -hmm. than just like a in my opinion, a simple like we're brother and sister and we're bonding and we're killing stuff together. It still would be kind of cool, but I think <laughs> it would be better to put them at odds from a philosophical, from a moral standpoint. Yeah. So does this story kindle love in the hearts of humankind? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I'm gonna let you answer that one, Michelle. Yes. I think it does. Um, I think it makes you think about family, like your own family. And it makes you reevaluate what's really important. And also to not take your family for granted. And to understand that um, it takes sacrifice to really love people and to be there for them. And sometimes it takes the ultimate sacrifice, like letting yourself get murdered so your children can run away. Not that that applies to every family situation. But <laughs> I think it, yeah, it's it's just like a a a great film about family bonding, and it it definitely makes you want to love your family better, and also for the deaf community too. It it helps you to see them from a more human perspective, and not like oh these people are different from us or they're well, handicapped they're or whatever. Helpless. Yeah, so it's not like it's like these people have emotions and feelings too, and they're just like us. They just can't hear, and they they communicate differently. But it, it's it's really cool to see the representation for that in the film. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think the only thing I would add to that is the idea of like following the storyline from part two of just taking charge of your destiny. Uh, and that whole coming-of-age story where Reagan goes out to do something, you know, to find the radio signal that's telling them that there's a free, carefree, safe place to go, and also to find that if they can broadcast a signal that can disrupt the monsters like brainwaves, that they can save a lot more people than just themselves. She takes that risk um, against the will of her mother. Mm-hmm. And in this story, it's not like saying that you know, because you have one person do disobedience, but it actually leads to good mm-hmm. for good intention's sake. And you have Marcus who disobeys <laughs> and leads to bad stuff for bad intention's sake. Mm-hmm. But again, see, you got to play them against each other. But I think as far as love in the sense of sometimes you have to make, take a risk and, you know, I don't want to say break the rules, but you have to you have to take a risk that might 
might put you in danger, but that can do the greatest good for everybody else. Mm -hmm. On next week's episode, Michelle, which is me, interviews the head of post-production for Conan, which just had its last episode on June 24th. Yeah, Michelle knows all those dates specifically because she's a big fan of the show. I and am. she was freaked when she got this interview scheduled mm -hmm. and was like super nervous. But I think she did a great job. Oh, thank you. And it's going to be just awesome. Two editors really talk because Michelle's the editor of this podcast <laughs> and editor of all her films. Mm -hmm. So just talking to two film editors going back and forth is going to be some riveting conversation. Oh, I hope so. And if you, the audience, ever want to be featured as a guest on our show, you can email us at themustycreative at gmail.com. And a big thanks to our monthly supporters. You help us make this show the best it can be. And if you want to participate in helping us out, you can visit patreon.com slash mustycreative and um, donate to the show. Help us make it even better. Yes, if you really like this this show, you can always give a buck a show. And <laughs> hashtag buck a show. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very helpful to us and supports the community. Uh, and that's all we have time for. And it's been fun talking about this movie. And it's you know sometimes you watch a film, you go and hyped, and you, you're satisfied. Mm -hmm. And that is just so nice. So I really appreciate the whole creative team behind this film. And I was glad that you know we're pretty much done with the quarantine still gotta stay safe out there but it feels good that things are kind of normalizing so stay safe and have fun and keep writing keep telling your stories and uh yeah if you can tell your story on the apple podcast review page and review the podcast and find <laughs> us on twitter instagram and facebook and now it's time to shower up Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.